from the book Seth Speaks by Jane Roberts Chapter 4 Reincarnational Dramas Your own environment includes far more than you may have supposed. Earlier, I referred to your environment in terms of the daily physical existence and surroundings with which you are currently connected. In actuality, you are aware of very little of your larger, more extensive environment. Consider your present self as an actor in a play. Hardly a new analogy, but a suitable one. The scene is set in the 20th century. You create the props, the settings, the themes. In fact, you write, produce, and act in the entire production. You and every other individual who takes part. You are so focused in your roles, however, so intrigued by the reality that you have created, so entranced by the problems, challenges, hopes, and sorrows of your particular roles that you have forgotten they are of your own creation. This intensely moving drama, with all its joys and tragedies, can be compared with your present life, your present environment, both individually and en masse. But there are other plays going on simultaneously in which you also have a part to play. These have their own scenery, their own props. They take place in different periods of time. One may be called Life in the 12th Century AD. One may be called Life in the 18th Century, or in 500 BC, or in AD 3000. You also create these plays and act in them. These settings also represent your environment, the environment that surrounds your entire personality. I am speaking of the portion of you who is taking part in this particular period piece, however, and that particular portion of your entire personality is so focused within this drama that you are not aware of the others in which you also play a role. You do not understand your own multidimensional reality. Therefore, it seems strange or unbelievable when I tell you that you live many existences at one time. It is difficult for you to imagine being in two places at once, much less in two or more times or centuries. Now, stated simply, time is not a series of moments. The words that you speak, the acts that you perform, appear to take place in time, as a chair or table appears to take up space. These appearances, however, are a part of the complicated props that you have set up beforehand, and within the play you must accept them as real. Four o'clock in the afternoon is a very handy reference. You can say to a friend, 
I will meet you at four o'clock at the corner or at a restaurant for a drink or a chat or a meal and your friend will know precisely where and when he will find you. This will happen despite the fact that four o'clock in the afternoon has no basic meaning, but is an agreed upon designation, a gentleman's agreement if you prefer. If you attend the theater at nine o'clock in the evening, but the actions of the play take place within the morning hours and the actors are shown eating breakfast, you accept the time as given within the theater's play. You also pretend that it is morning. Each of you are now involved in a much larger production in which you all agree on certain basic assumptions that serve as a framework within which the play can occur. The assumptions are that time is a series of moments one after another, that an objective world exists quite independently of your own creation and perception of it, that you are bound within the physical bodies that you have donned, and that you are limited by time and space. Other assumptions accepted for the same reason include the idea that all perception comes through your physical senses. In other words, that all information comes from without and that no information can come from within. You therefore are forced to focus intensely upon the actions of the play. Now these various plays, these creative period pieces represent what you would call reincarnational lives. They all exist basically at one time. Those who are still involved in these highly complicated passion play seminars called reincarnational existences find it difficult to see beyond them. Some, resting between productions, as it were, try to communicate with those who are still taking part. But they themselves are merely in the wings, so to speak, and can only see so far. The plays seem to be taking place one before the other, and so these communications seem to intensify the false idea that time is a series of moments, passing in a single line from some inconceivable beginning to some equally inconceivable end. This leads you to think in terms of a very limited progress, both in individual terms and in terms of your species as a whole. You think, those of you who have even considered reincarnation, well, certainly the race must have progressed from the time of the Middle Ages. Although you greatly fear it has not, or you turn to technological progress and say, at least we have come a long way in that direction. You may smile and think to yourself that it is quite difficult to imagine a Roman senator addressing the multitudes through a microphone, for example. His children watching his performance on television. But all of this is highly misleading. Progress does not exist in the terms that you consider it to any more than time does. In each play, both individually and en masse, different problems are set up. 
progress can be measured in terms of the particular ways in which those problems were solved or not solved. Great advances have been made in certain periods. For example, great offshoots appeared that from your viewpoint you might not consider progress at all. In some plays, generally speaking, the actors are each working on a seemingly minute portion of a larger problem that the play itself is to resolve. Though I use the analogy here of a drama, these plays are highly spontaneous affairs in which the actors have full freedom within the play's framework. And granting these assumptions that have been stated, there are no rehearsals. There are observers, as you will see later in our book. As in any good theater production, there is an overall theme within each play. The great artists, for example, did not emerge out of a particular time simply because they were born into it or the conditions were favorable. The play itself was concerned with the actualization of intuitive truth into what you would call artistic form, with a creativity of such vast and sweeping results that it would serve to awaken latent abilities within each actor and to serve as a model of behavior. Periods of renaissance, spiritual, artistic, or psychic, occur because the intense inner focus of those involved in the drama are directed toward those ends. The challenge may be different in each play, but the great themes are beacons to all consciousness. They serve as models. Progress has nothing to do with time, you see but with psychic and spiritual focus. Each play is entirely different from any other. It is not correct, therefore, to suppose that your actions in this life are caused by a previous existence or, or that you are being punished in this life for crimes in a past one. The lives are simultaneous. Your own multidimensional personality is so endowed that it can have these experiences and still retain its identity. It is, of course, affected by the various plays in which it takes part. There is instant communication and an instant, if you prefer, feedback system. These plays are hardly without purpose. In them, the multidimensional personality learns through its own actions. It tries out an endless variety of poses, behavior patterns, attitudes, and changes others as a result. The word result, you see, automatically infers cause and effect, the cause happening before the effect. And this is simply one small example of the strength of such distortions and of the inherent difficulties involved with verbal thought, for it always implies a single line delineation. You are the multidimensional self who has these existences, who creates and takes part in these cosmic passion plays, so to speak. 
It is only because you focus in this particular role now that you identify your entire being with it. You have set these rules for yourself for a reason. And consciousness is in a state of becoming. And so this multidimensional self of which I speak is not a psychological structure completed and done with. It is also in a state of becoming. It is learning the art of actualization. It has within it infinite sources of creativity, unlimited possibilities of development. But it has yet to learn the means of actualization and must find within itself ways to bring into existence those untold creations that are within it. Therefore, it creates varieties of conditions in which to operate and sets itself challenges, some doomed to failure in your terms, at least initially, because it must first create the conditions which will bring new creations about. And all of this is done with great spontaneity and unbounded joy. You therefore create far more environments than you realize. Now, each actor going about the role, focused within the play, has an inner guideline. He is not left, therefore, abandoned within a play that he has forgotten is his own creation. He has knowledge and information that comes to him through what I call the inner senses. He has other sources of information, therefore, than those strictly given within the confines of the production. Each actor knows this instinctively, and there are periods set and allowed for within the play itself in which each actor retires in order to refresh himself. In these, he is informed through the inner senses of his other roles, and he realizes that he is far more than the self appearing in any given play. In these periods, he understands that he had his hand in the writing of the play, and he is freed from those assumptions that bind him while he is actively concerned with the drama's activities. These periods, of course, coincide with your sleep states and dreaming conditions. But there are also other times when each actor sees quite clearly that he is surrounded by props, and when his vision suddenly pierces the seeming reality of the production. This does not mean that the play is not real, or that it should not be taken seriously. It does mean playing a role, an important one. Each actor must of himself realize, however, the nature of the production and his part in it. He must actualize himself out of the three-dimensional confines of the play's setting. There is great cooperation behind such momentous productions, and in playing his role, each actor first actualizes himself within three-dimensional reality. The multidimensional self cannot act within three-dimensional reality until it materializes a portion of itself within it. Within this reality, it then brings about all kinds of creativity and development that could not appear otherwise. It must then propel itself from this system, however, 
through another act, another actualization on the part of itself that is three-dimensional. During its three-dimensional existence, it has helped others in ways that they could not otherwise be helped. And it has been itself benefited and developed in ways that would be impossible otherwise. The meaning of the play is within you, therefore. It is only the conscious portion of you that acts so well and that is focused so securely within the props of the production. The purpose of any given life is available to you, the knowledge beneath the surface of the conscious self you know. All kinds of hints and clues are also available. You have the knowledge of your entire multidimensional personality at your fingertips. When you realize that you do, this knowledge allows you to solve the problems or meet the challenges you have set quicker in your terms and also opens further areas of creativity by which the entire play or production can be enriched. To the extent, therefore, that you allow the intuitions and knowledge of the multidimensional self to flow through the conscious self, to that extent not only do you perform your role in the play more effectively, but also you add new energy, insights, and creativity to the entire dimension. Now it seems to you, of course, that you are the only conscious part of yourself, for you are identifying with the actor in this particular production. The other portions of your multidimensional personality in these other reincarnational plays are also conscious, however. And because you are a multidimensional consciousness, you are also conscious in other realities beside these. Your multidimensional personality, your true identity, the real you, is conscious of itself as itself in any of these roles. These period pieces, overall, have a particular purpose. By the very nature of consciousness, it seeks to materialize itself in as many dimensions as possible, to create from itself new levels of awareness, new offshoots. In doing so, it creates all reality. Reality, therefore, is always in a state of becoming. The thoughts that you think, for example, in your actor's roles, are still completely unique and lead to new creativity. Certain aspects of your own consciousness could be fulfilled in no other way. When you think of reincarnation, you suppose a series of progressions. Instead, the various lives grow out of what your inner self is. They are not thrust upon you by some outside agency. They are a material development as your consciousness opens up and expresses itself in as many ways as possible. It is not restricted to one three-dimensional lifetime, nor is it restricted to three-dimensional existence alone. Your consciousness then takes many forms, and these forms need not be alike anymore 
say, than a caterpillar is like a butterfly. The soul or entity has complete freedom of expression. It changes its form to suit its expression and it forms environments like stage settings and worlds to suit its purposes. Each setting brings forth new developments. The soul or entity is highly individualized spiritual energy. It forms whatever body you now wear and is the motive power behind your physical survival. For from it, you derive your vitality. Consciousness can never be still, but seeks further creativity. The soul, therefore, or entity, endows three-dimensional reality and the three-dimensional self with its own properties. The abilities of the entity lie within the three-dimensional self. The three-dimensional self, the actor, has access to this information and to these potentials. In learning to use these potentials, in learning to rediscover its relationship with the entity, the three-dimensional self raises still further the level of achievement, comprehension, and creativity. The three-dimensional self becomes more than it knows. Not only is the entity strengthened, but portions of it, having been actualized in three-dimensional existence, now add to the very quality and nature of that existence. Without this creativity, planetary life in your terms would always be sterile. The soul or entity then gives breath to the body and to the three-dimensional self within it. The three-dimensional self then goes about its purpose of opening up new areas of creativity. Entities, or souls in other words, send out portions of themselves to open up avenues of reality that would not exist otherwise. The three-dimensional selves, in existing within these realities, must focus their attention there completely. An inner awareness gives them a source of energy and strength. They must, however, come to understand their roles as actors, finally from their roles and through another act of comprehension, return to the entity. There are those who appear within these plays fully aware. These personalities willingly take roles, knowing that they are roles, in order to lead the others toward the necessary realization and development. They lead the actors to see beyond the selves and settings they have created. These personalities from other levels of existence oversee the play, so to speak, and appear among the actors. Their purpose is to open up within the three-dimensional selves those psychological doorways that will release the three-dimensional self for further development in another system of reality. You are learning to be co-creators. You are learning to be gods as you now understand the term. You are learning responsibility, the responsibility of any individualized consciousness. You are learning to handle the energy that is yourself for creative purposes.
You will be bound to those you love and those you hate, though you will learn to release and lose and dissipate the hatred. You will learn to use even hatred creatively and to turn it to the higher ends, to transform it finally into love. I will make this clearer in later chapters. The settings in your physical environment, the sometimes lovely paraphernalia, the physical aspects of life as you know it, are all camouflages. And so I call your physical reality a camouflage. Yet these camouflages are composed of the vitality of the universe. The rocks and stones and mountains and earth are living camouflage, interlocking psychic webs formed by minute consciousnesses that you cannot perceive as such. The atoms and molecules within them have their own consciousness as do the atoms and molecules with your body. Since you all have a hand in forming this physical setting, and since you are ensconced yourself in a physical form, then using the physical senses, you will only perceive this fantastic setting. The reality that exists both within it and beyond it will elude you. Even the actor is not entirely three-dimensional, however. He is a part of a multi-dimensional self. Within him, there are methods of perception that allow him to see through the camouflage settings, to see beyond the stage. He uses these inner senses constantly, though the actor part of himself is so intent upon the play that this escapes him. In a larger manner, the physical senses actually form the physical reality they seem to only perceive. They are themselves part of the camouflage, but they are like lenses over your natural inner perceptions that force you to see an available field of activity as physical matter. And so they can be relied upon only to tell you what is happening in a superficial manner. You can tell the position of the other actors, for example, or time by clock. But these physical senses will not tell you that time is itself a camouflage, or that consciousness forms the other actors, or that realities that you cannot see exist over and beyond the physical matter that is so apparent. You can, however, using your inner senses, Perceive reality as it exists apart from the play and your role in it. In order to do this, you must, of course, momentarily at least, turn your attention away from the constant activity that is taking place. Turn off the physical senses, as it were, and switch your attention to those events that have escaped you earlier. Highly simplified indeed, the effect would be something like changing one set of glasses for another. For the physical senses are as artificial, basically speaking, to the inner self as a set of glasses or a hearing aid is to the physical self. The inner senses, therefore, are but rarely used completely consciously. 
You would be more than disoriented, for example, but quite terrified. If between one moment and the next, your familiar environment as you knew it disappeared to be replaced by other sets of data that you were not ready to understand. So much information from the inner senses must be translated in terms that you can comprehend. Such information must somehow make sense to you as three-dimensional selves, in other words. Your particular set of camouflages is not the only set you see. Other realities have entirely different systems, but all personalities have inner senses that are attributes of consciousness. And through these inner senses, communications are maintained about which the normally conscious self knows little. Part of my purpose is to make some of these communications known. The soul or entity then is not the self that reads this book. Your environment is not simply the world about you as you know it, but also consists of past life environments upon which you are not now focusing. Your real environment is composed of your thoughts and emotions, for from these you form not only this reality, but each reality in which you take part. Your real environment is innocent of space and time as you know them. In your real environment, you have no need for words, for communication is instantaneous. In your real environment, you form the physical world that you know. The inner senses will allow you to perceive the reality that is independent of physical form. I will ask you all to momentarily forsake your roles, therefore, and to try this simple exercise. Now, pretend that you are on a lighted stage, the stage being the room in which you now sit. Close your eyes and pretend that the lights have gone out. The setting has disappeared and you are alone. Everything is dark. Be quiet. Imagine as vividly as you can the existence of inner senses. For now, pretend that they correspond to your physical ones. Clear from your mind all thoughts and worries. Be receptive. Very gently listen, not to physical sounds, but to sounds that come through the inner senses. Images may begin to appear. Accept them as sights quite as valid as those you see physically. Pretend that there is an inner world and that it will be revealed to you as you learn to perceive it with these inner senses. Pretend that you have been blind to this world all your life and are now slowly gaining sight within it. Do not judge the whole inner world by the disjointed images that you may at first perceive or by the sound that you may at first hear, for you will still be using your inner senses quite imperfectly. Do this exercise for a few moments before sleep or in the resting state. 
It may also be done even in the midst of an ordinary task that does not take all of your attention. You will simply be learning to focus in a new dimension of awareness, taking quick snapshots, as it were, in a strange environment. Remember that you will only be perceiving snatches. Simply accept them, but do not attempt to make any overall judgments or interpretations at this stage. 10 minutes a day to begin with is quite sufficient. Now the information in this book is being directed to some extent through the inner senses of the woman who is in trance as I write it. Such endeavor is the result of highly organized inner precision and of training. Rupert could not receive the information from me. It could not be translated nor interpreted while she was focused intensely in the physical environment. So the inner senses are channels that provide communication between various dimensions of existence. Yet even here, the information must be distorted to some extent as it is translated into physical terms. Otherwise, it would not be perceived at all. I have spent some time emphasizing the fact that each of us forms our own environment because I want you to realize that the responsibility for your life and your environment is your own. If you believe otherwise, then you are limited. Your environment then represents the sum total of knowledge and experience. As long as you believe your environment to be objective and independent of yourself, then to a large extent you feel powerless to change it, to see beyond it or to imagine other alternatives that may be less apparent. Later in the book, I will explain various methods that will allow you to change your environment beneficially and drastically. I have also discussed reincarnation in terms of environment because many schools of thought overemphasize the effects of reincarnational existences so that often they explain present life circumstances as a result of rigid and uncompromising patterns determined in a past life. You will feel relatively incompetent to handle present physical reality, to alter your environment, to affect and change your world, if you feel that you are at the mercy of conditions over which you have no control. The reasons given for such subjugations matter little in the long run, for the reasons change with the times and with your culture. You are not under a sentence placed upon you for original sin, by any childhood events, or by past life experiences. Your life, for example, may be far less fulfilling than you think you would prefer. You may be less when you would be more, but you are not under a pall placed upon your psyche either by original sin, Freud's infancy syndromes, or past life influences. I will try to explain the past life influences a bit more clearly here. They affect you as any experience does. Time is not closed, however. It is open. One life is not buried in the past, disconnected from the present self and any future self as well. 
As I explained earlier, the lives or the plays are happening at once. Creativity and consciousness are never linear achievements. In each life, you choose and create your own settings or environments. And in this one, you chose your parents and whatever childhood incidents that came within your experience. You wrote the script. Like a true absent-minded professor, the conscious self forgets all this, however. So when tragedy appears in the script, difficulty or challenges, the conscious self looks for someone or something to blame. Before this book is done, I hope to show you precisely how you create each minute of your experience so that you can begin to exert your true creative responsibility on a conscious level, or nearly so. As you read this book, now and then look about you at the room in which you sit. Chairs and tables, the ceiling and the floors may seem very real and solid quite permanent, while you, by contrast, may feel yourself to be highly vulnerable, caught in a moment between birth and extinction. You may even feel jealous when you think of it, imagining that the physical universe will continue to exist long after you are gone. By the end of our book, however, I hope you will realize the eternal validity of your own consciousness and the impermanence of those physical aspects of your environment and of your universe that now seems so secure. This has been an excerpt from the book by Jane Roberts called Seth Speaks. Seth, of course, being an entity that Jane Roberts frequently channeled throughout her life and that was recorded by her late husband Robert Butts throughout the 1960s and 70s and I think possibly part of the 80s. The Seth material that emerged from these sessions of course being incredibly uh, influential uh, influencing many many uh, subsequent teachers of this material, spiritualists, channels, uh, teachers of law of attraction and manifesting and the true nature of reality, and of course, people interested in, in quantum shifting and all that stuff, which I always say is uh, all the same thing, really, when you get down to it. You know, one person prefers to look at it this way, another person prefers to look at it that way. One person prefers to think of just law of attraction and focusing on your thoughts and your feelings associated with your thoughts. One person uh, prefers to think of this in terms of multiple realities and, and, and whatever it is that you, that you prefer, uh, whatever your preferred story is, it's all really the same thing when you get down to it. And the fact that there are multiple selves who, that we create in each of these selves uh, our own reality and the nature of our own reality and our three-dimensional experience. That this ego self that you are now experiencing and identifying so solidly with is just a fraction, a tiny fraction of that larger self that you are that is split into many, many, maybe even infinite realities and infinite selves and egos and identities. So you are the observer on the spiritual level, you see. 
And what you observe, what you choose to observe, is the thing that becomes solidified, so to speak, in your physical reality. This is something that I talk about all the time, right? This is really what manifesting comes down to. And, and I chose this chapter because it kind of gives a very, uh, I, I think, a very clear understanding of uh, the nature of this sort of multidimensional, I want to call it, um, existence, right? The fact that we have so many different selves as we might term them as selves, even within this creation, even within this identity that you now hold, if your name is Sally, there are infinite Sallys in infinite timelines experiencing infinite possibilities. All possibilities that you as the observer operating through Sally as the actor, the actor playing the character of Sally, everything that you can perceive of within that consciousness becomes real. It is real. It exists right now. So that you get to choose. Oh, you know what? I, I, I want to choose this reality. I want to choose the reality and live in the reality where I am filthy rich. Well, you have to become that version of yourself. You have to think and feel that way. Now, you have to plug right into that reality because you are the conduit for it. It does not exist independent of you, but you must observe yourself as being that version of yourself, of Sally, the, the filthy rich Sally. What does she do? Where does she go? Where does she travel? How many houses does she have? How does she feel about herself? What kind of friends does she have? What does she think about when she gets up in the morning? What does she do when she gets up in the morning? Where does she eat her breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You must embody that role. And I think this chapter from Seth Speaks, this particular chapter, really does kind of, you know, I think really uh, uh, explains it well in terms of you being the actor. And I've talked about this a lot. You are the actor in your own production. So you get to rewrite the play. I mean, even Seth said it. You have the freedom to do that. You get to rewrite the script anytime that you want. That is your right as a creator in this universe to do that. You're not stuck with these circumstances that you're perceiving. You're causing yourself to feel stuck by consistently perceiving them, by consistently engaging with them. You keep looking at the problem over and over. You keep thinking about it over and over from the morning you get up, uh, from the moment you get up in the morning to the moment you go to bed, you're thinking about this problem. I don't have enough money. How am I going to pay this bill? Oh, my God. What's going to happen in February? What's going to happen in June? What's going to happen next December? You're never here in the moment. You're always somewhere where you're not actually uh, existing. Some, some, some future, some, some possibility some, of some doom that you're imagining in the now. And therefore, you're feeling the reality of that now. You're feeling the angst of that, the anxiousness, the fear, the worry, the whatever. Now, in this moment. The only moment that exists. So why don't you choose then, therefore, to focus on a reality in a moment that you prefer? Hey, what if by February or next June, I win the lottery? What if by then I get exactly what I want? What if by then my life completely flips and I have, I'm living the reality that I prefer? It exists. You have to focus on it. You have to tell yourself the story of that. You have to rewrite your script. You understand so then that old reality will fade away. The one that you're living now that you're not so satisfied with, that you feel so incomplete in, will, will, will fade into the background as you, as you 
give it less and less attention and you put your more and more of your attention on the reality that you prefer. I'm always being asked, Tarkon, how do I uh, how do I unfocus from this current reality? By focusing gradually more and more on the one that you prefer. And yes, it only exists in your head. Well, you know and you can see from this chapter from Seth that that is actually where it exists. The stuff around you, the third dimensional stuff is not the real thing. You're not separate from it. The real thing is what's going on in your inner world, in your thoughts, your dreams, your desires, your how you're feeling on the inside. That's your inner world that you need to tap into. You need to unhook and stop thinking of your physical reality as being this solid thing that is separate from you. It's not. You're creating all of it. And it begins with taking responsibility for that. Not blame. Don't blame yourself. No one's blaming you. It's okay. It's okay when you're learning to walk, to fall on your ass. It's okay. Children do it all the time. They might cry for a minute. Then they get up and go, well, crying. They figure it out. Crying doesn't help. So I'll just keep trying. I'll just keep going. And eventually I'll learn how to use these wobbly little legs. And then they'll grow and they'll become stronger and more steady and I will become more steady. And before I know it, walking will be like breathing. I won't even have to think about it. So you practice. You practice, but you can't do that. You can't practice and focus on a new reality if you're constantly focused on the current reality that you do not prefer. So unhook from that by making the vision that you have so compelling, so pleasing to think about, so amazing to think about and to dream about, daydream, visualize, whatever you want to call it, make it so compelling, so real in your mind that it overtakes your current physical reality. And as you do it more and more, as you focus on it more and more, it becomes second nature to you. You start living it in your inner world, whether it's happening outside of you yet or not, it's real there. It's real there first. The more you live it, the more you experience it and feel it and feel it as being real, like Neville says, the more it becomes reality in the flesh, in the material world. You'll begin to see those things. Don't look for the signs, but you'll see them when they occur. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about how or when it's going to happen. Remember that you have it solidly down in your inner world, in your dreams, in your imagination. That's where it matters. That's where you hammer it out. That's where you make it so compelling that whatever's happening around you physically is of little to no meaning. And that will deconstruct itself and reconstruct itself to match the vision that you have now been consistently practicing, you see. That is what manifesting is. That is creation. That is creation. You are a creator. You are an artist. Your life is your artwork. That's your work of art. That's your masterpiece. What you're creating right now is your masterpiece and it's constantly moving and breathing and evolving and growing. Always. It's a living, organic creation. So feel into that. Feel into that power that you possess. That creative power as this great artist that you are. Yeah, you think Picasso, when he painted something and he didn't like it, he stared at it for hours and cried about it. Maybe he did, I don't know. But probably, knowing his temper, he probably chucked it out the window and started on a new one. Till he got it right, till he got it the way he wanted it to be. I mean, I, you know, I'm pretending I know Picasso's process. Maybe someone out there is going to go, Tarkon, that's not how it happened. But you know what, I'm just using that as an example. 
You don't have to stare at the painting you just painted you don't like. Oh, I'm stuck with it. I have to hang it over the mantelpiece and look at it the whole time now because I painted it. There it is. I have to look at it. No, you don't. Throw it on the fire if you don't like it. Paint a new one. And only display the one that you prefer, that you love, that you want. You're the artist. You're the creator. You're the writer. You're the producer. You're the actor. You're the leading lady or man. That's you. You're not a victim of your circumstance. You're not bound to this currently current reality that you perceive. You can change it. You have the power. You're the artist. So use that power. Begin today. And I highly recommend that you read this book, uh, Seth Speaks, or any of the Seth books for that matter, uh, by Jane Roberts. Uh, they are fantastic. Sometimes, you know, with this particular material, it can seem a little dense. Um, you know, sometimes I've read that stuff years ago, didn't really get it, then picked it up again, you know, a year or two later, and suddenly I understood everything. With each reading, you're going to discover something new. So I encourage you to start now. If you're not already familiar with the Seth material, you'll see so many themes that we discuss on this channel and in this podcast running throughout it and, and, and what you've heard in other, uh, through other sources that deal with the subject of manifesting, law of attraction, reality creation, quantum uh, surfing, quantum shifting, reality surfing, whatever you want to call it. Seth is a very uh, strong uh, foundation of all that stuff. So I highly recommend that you become familiar with this material. And there's something that happens as you read it and as you immerse yourself in it that it does also somehow maybe magically, uh, change your perception as you're reading it. It sort of gets into your psyche somehow. I can't really explain it, but it, it, it happens. You'll find yourself changing almost as you're reading it and having a lot of aha moments. Oh my goodness, aha, oh, I see. Oh, this makes total sense. Oh, that's why that always happened, right? Things like that. <laughs> Some moments that I love personally, honestly. But uh, yes, so I highly recommend that you, uh, you know, you get into the Seth material, do some reading up on Jane Roberts if you want, uh, and her husband, uh, uh, Robert Butts. Both of them are now passed back into the non-physical, but, you know, their work lives on. Um, I think we're talking about 20 years or more of uh, channeling Seth and of this material being recorded um, and then transcribed into book form. It's a pretty amazing amount of work when you think about it. And I believe there's still a lot of material out there that hasn't even really been published or seen the light of day yet. Um, but you can go do some research on that and find out more about it, um, you know, however much you want. Um, and I encourage you to do so. And I encourage you to, uh, to read as many of these books as you can. Now, read as much as you can and really get into the material and familiarize yourself with these concepts, right? So anyway, uh, I tried something new today. I hope that you guys liked it. This isn't sort of the traditional or the usual uh, podcast format that I've done. Uh, but I felt like doing this. I felt like reading just one chapter from the book. Of course, I can't read you the whole book. That's uh, I think it's not within the public domain necessarily. But I believe it's allowed. You know, it's excerpts and chapters I think is okay. Uh, I will give you a link if you go to my YouTube channel. This will be posted there as well. Uh, you'll have a link for a book uh, or the, the uh, link to the book if you want to purchase it. And of course, that will be an affiliate link, full disclosure. 
which means if you click on it and buy it through the link I provide, I'll make a little commission from it. I'll make a couple of cents from it. So, but that's up to you. Uh, but that's full disclosure, um, as uh, actually is the right thing to do, but also required by the affiliate program. Uh, but uh, you can find that book um, through the link there, and I'm I'm I believe it might be on my uh, website in the book section there as well. I'm not entirely sure. If it's not, I'll add it so that you can find it easily there. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, that's really it for now. Uh, let me know what you think of this. If you want to hear more sort of excerpts from books, uh, I actually quite enjoy doing this. And uh, I think it's a fun little thing to do every now and then and to kind of help also expose you guys to certain books that you may not be familiar with so that you have, you know, uh, sort of access to, uh, to more knowledge from more teachers, more people. Um, and therefore expand your experience as manifestors and creators in this universe. So thank you guys for listening. This is Tarkon. And uh, I'm just going to fade away and let that calm, quiet music fade away as well in the background. Maybe I'll leave that with you for a couple of minutes so you can take some deep breaths. Close your eyes, take some deep breaths, and just center yourself and ground yourself before you get up and go do whatever it is you're doing. More of what you're doing or do whatever it is you're going to do. And until next time, this is Tarkon, of course, of Manifestation Lab. For those of you listening to this podcast and not familiar uh, with my YouTube channel, you can find my YouTube channel, of course, by just searching Manifestation Lab on YouTube. You'll find me there. You'll see my beautiful mug uh, in each of the videos <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking to you um, about topics related to uh, the ones we discussed and covered here today. So if you haven't done so already, head over there and hit subscribe and hit that notification bell and do all the things and like all the videos and whatever it is and share the videos with anyone that you think uh, might benefit from them, might enjoy them, uh, that, that might help. Um, and that goes for this podcast as well. So thank you again, guys, for listening. Have a wonderful, wonderful uh, rest of your day or week or month or whatever you're listening to this. I wish you all the best. I wish you happy manifesting. And until next time, this is Tarkon. Bye-bye.